Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about the strangest prayer closet as I comment on Jonah chapter 2. Now, people have many different prayer habits. Paul Harvey once told a story about a young boy who was eight years old, and he was in Sunday school, and he was asked to pray. And the little boy prayed this. He said, God bless our mothers and our fathers and our teachers and our brothers and our sisters. And please take care of yourself, God, because if anything ever happened to you, we'd be sunk. Well, uh, the theology there is half right anyway. If something happened to God, we would be sunk, but nothing's going to happen to God, so that we don't have to worry about. Now, some people pray in the morning, some pray at noon, some pray at night, some pray every day, some pray when they get in trouble, some pray only at church. I knew a deacon once uh, in my first full-time church who didn't want to pray in church. He was a deacon, but when I was preparing the deacon body to help me lead the Lord's Supper for the very first time in this church, I had a meeting with them and I talked to them about what I was going to do to prepare for the Lord's Supper. And then at a certain point I said, so I will ask one of you now to pray for the bread. And this deacon piped up and said, you won't ask me to pray. I said, what? I don't pray in church. (laughs) Well, after I left that church about four years later, he was the deacon chairman. And every Sunday when I During the transition, he would have the invocation. He would have the introduction of the speaker. He'd do the announcement. So people do grow and they do change and they do progress. Some people pray only at home. Some people pray in their car. Some people pray in bed. Some people pray about their own needs. Some people pray when they're in trouble only. Some are great prayer warriors. Some pray for others who have needs that only God can meet. Some pray in praise of God and give him glory and honor. So people pray in many different ways, but no one has ever prayed in the same way that Jonah did in Jonah chapter 2, either before or since. Jonah 2 says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to my Lord because of my afflictions, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. And then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters encompassed me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord." So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah on to dry land. So as we begin, let's look at the setting of the prayer. 
the setting of the prayer. Now, Jonah was in a fix. He was, he was stuck. He, he reminds me of a, a deacon that I knew again at that same church who uh, went out one, uh, one cold winter morning before dawn to get his newspaper off the driveway. He walked out in his flip-flops and his pajamas. And then when he came back to the door, he realized that it had locked behind him. So he was in a fix. He had the choice of standing out there in the cold and the dark until his wife got up, or he could go and knock on the window and wake his wife up. That He was in a fix. Uh, now, Jonah was in a worse fix than this deacon that was stuck outside in the dark and the cold. He had disobeyed God. He had tried to run from God. He had danced, and now he was having to pay the piper. Jonah was in a very dangerous situation. He could have been killed by drowning. He could have been killed by being swallowed by this sea creature, this fish. Um, and he certainly would have been attacked by the acids in the creature's stomach. He had seaweed wrapped around him. And so he had reasons to pray. He had many reasons to pray. Now, bad situations are a time to pray. But it's better for us to pray before we get into a bad situation. It's better for us to pray before we get into a fix. When we go to a strange new city, we need to ask around before wandering around a neighborhood. Maybe there are places we shouldn't go. So here's the question. When do we pray? Before, during, or after we get into a problem? Before, or during, or after we get into a fix? Well, probably all three, but it would probably be more helpful if we prayed before we got into a fix. Now, we see the setting of the prayer. Let's look at the substance of the prayer. What we find out from verse 2 is that Jonah wanted to be heard. I cried out to the Lord because of my afflictions, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You know, there are few things more frustrating than not being heard. I remember very clearly when my son was a child, we would watch Barney. Uh, we never did Teletubbies. No, but we did Barney. And uh, we, we enjoyed watching Barney together, but there were times that my son would co be concentrating so much on Barney that he wouldn't hear anything I was saying. He would be ignoring me. But later on uh, during the day, there were times that my son wanted my attention and he wanted it immediately. I mean, I think there's a certain reason why a baby's cry sounds the way it does. It, it is designed to get a parent's attention. And, and so this is like what Jonah did. Like Jonah and many of us as well are like children in our prayers. We ignore God until we want Him. And then when we want Him, we want Him badly. But fortunately and blessedly for all of us, God does hear us. Now, what happened next was that Jonah admitted God's work in his life. Verse 3 says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then he said, I have 
been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters encompassed me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah admitted God's work in his life. He, he knew that God was in control of the situation, and he admitted such. He knew that God's will would be done, and he accepted that that was the case. And he admitted that God was punishing him for his disobedience. He recognized that fact. Uh, back in the 1960s, Muhammad Ali, who was then known as Cassius Clay, had been drafted to serve in the military. He refused. He objected to working in the military, serving in the military, possibly having to go to Vietnam. And so he was sent to jail for two years. And his statement was, I obeyed my country. My country said either I go to the service or I go to jail. I did obey. I went to the jail. Now, I don't know that that's what we really want to do, but that's exactly what Jonah was doing here. He was confessing what he had done, and he was admitting that he was under God's control. And basically, in verse 8, we see that God uh, had convicted him of his sin, and he confessed his sin. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He had made an idol of his own will, and he forsook God, and he forsook God's mercy that was available to all of us. And, and the thing about Jonah here was he was honest. He was honest in his prayers. Are we honest in our prayers? We might as well be because God sees everything anyway. God knows what we've done. We might as well be honest with him. Have we been honest with him and said, Lord, I know I want to do something you don't want me to do. Or are we honest with God and say, God, I know you want me to do something, but I don't want to do that. We need to be honest with God. We need to have the same substance in our prayer as Jonah has in his. Honesty and in recognition of God's sovereignty in our lives. So we've seen the setting of the prayer and the substance of the prayer. Now let's look at the sacrifice in the prayer. What we need to see is that doing the right thing is always the best thing. My father used to say, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, how are you going to have time to do it over again? I had a commander in the Alabama Army National Guard who had a, a catchphrase. Every commander does. Every commander has a theme of something he repeats, something that he wants people to remember. And this commander's theme was, do what is right even when no one's looking. Most often, the right thing is known by us. What we need to do is usually confirmed in our hearts by our consciences and by the Holy Spirit. But often we just don't want to do it. And what happens then is often we see the truth of the statement that the devil is God's collection agency. Now the sacrifice that Jonah made here was not a, a sacrifice about preaching. Apparently he could do that with no problem. It was not going to Nineveh. It was not even giving up his prejudices and going to serve God with people that he didn't like and didn't want to like. No, the sacrifice here was that Jonah gave up his will to God. 
allowed God to do His way and His will in his life. It's like, like breaking a horse. You know, a wild horse who's never been ridden has to have his will broken before he will allow you to put a saddle on him and allow you to ride him. Have we sacrificed our wills yet? Are there things we won't do? Are there places we won't go? Are there people that we don't want to work with for God? Well, these are the symptoms of a living sacrifice. As um, Chuck Kelly, president of New Orleans Seminary, used to say, the problem with a living sacrifice is that they tend to crawl off the altar. Do we crawl off the altar? Do we decide to do things our way? Or do we have a true sacrifice of our will and allow God to have his way with us. Next, let's look at verse 10. Because we've now seen the setting of the prayer and the substance of the prayer and the sacrifice in the prayer. Now let's look at the salvation of the prayer. Jonah 2.10 says, So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. So what we see here is Jonah finally was saved. Salvation came to Jonah. Now, what we need to understand is that our salvation, like Jonah's salvation, comes from the Lord. Only God knows what is truly right. Only God has the power to do what is right. Only God has the will to do what is right. Only God does what is right. And we must come to him on his terms to receive his salvation. God is loving, but he's just. God is caring, but is he is righteous. And so we must do it his way, not our way. Salvation did not come to Jonah when he was running from Tarshish. Salvation was not coming to Jonah when he rejected God's will. Salvation only came when he bowed his knee and allowed God to have his way in him. He admitted he was a sinner. He believed God would save him and he committed his life to serving God. The same thing goes for all of us. We need to admit that we're sinners and cannot save ourselves. We might need to uh, accept that uh, uh, Jesus is our Savior and believe that his sacrifice was for our sins, and we need to commit our lives to God through Jesus. Now, salvation is there for us, just like it was for Jonah, if we accept it. If we accept it, God will give it. He gives it on his terms, freely, without us working for it, but we must allow his way to be our way. We must allow his will to be our will. So how is your prayer life? How's my prayer life? Do we regularly seek God's face? And when we pray, do we also listen to God? Do we pray to God committing ourselves to his will? All of these things are lessons we see from Jonah in the strangest prayer closet. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing, I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.